The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Y'all get excited. You're not this morning. <laughs> uh, before baseball season began this year, the, the Texas Rangers, uh, they lost some of their best players. Y'all remember that? Their best player, pitcher, Hugh Darvish. Uh, he messed up his uh, something in his throwing arm. I can't even remember what that's called. Uh, and as a result, if you were watching uh, any of the sports channels or listening to ESPN on the radio, they said, well, this year for the Rangers is going to be a loss. Uh, it's going to be a rebuilding year, so to speak. And uh, as a result, this season, a lot of people went into the season with not much expectation. Uh, because of injuries, because of some of the different things. Uh, and as the season started, it was true. I mean, it was they looked bad and uh, things were not going the way that they wanted to go. And, uh, but slowly they kind of began to turn things around. And about uh, mid part of the season, about the All-Star break, uh, a couple of weeks before they were doing really good. And about the All-Star break, they'd fallen off again. And... Uh, folks on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you know, they were saying, don't get excited about this, it's not going to last. You know, they're, they're on a little spurt, and uh, unfortunately they were right. But then just a few weeks later, after the All-Star break, or really since the All-Star break, man, they got to, back to 500, and then they got a little better than 500. And, I mean, I'll keep up with them some, and uh, they're uh, like – nine of their last ten games, you know, at home, and they're really doing really well. But people are still saying, oh, don't get excited, it's not going to last. They're just naysayers, aren't they? Just no matter what, usually there's some people and fans, and even if they're on a 20-game winning streak, there are some folks that will say, well, don't get excited because it's not going to last. It's going it's to fade away. They're going to fall apart in the playoffs, and they need this, and the bullpen looks horrible, and this pitchers are going downhill, and all of these different things. And, uh, you know, the reason being is the nature of the game and team success is unpredictable. So if you have a naysayer that says, hey, they're, gonna, they're not going to do anything, that's because of the nature of that team and the nature of the game, uh, and not necessarily the team, it's just unpredictable. If you have somebody that says, Oh, we're gonna, they're going to win the World Series this year. Everything's turned in the right direction. And they're going to be uh, excited about that. Uh, but the bottom line is it's unpredictable. We just don't know. And we won't know, and that's why they play the games. If you would turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, and in our world there are many things that will bring us down. I want you to think about just watching the news and all the things that will bring you down. ISIS. That's one, boy. I never heard of ISIS a few years ago. And, and now that's all we hear about. And it's growing in number. And it's growing in strength. And in recent months, we see people that are devastated by earthquakes. And uh, there's a drought over here. And there's floods over here. And, and all of these different things are happening. The, the economy is is stagnant for a long time, and then some will say it's doing better, and some say it's not doing any better, and we have soldiers going around and fighting in harm's way. We have 
uh, increasing number of social issues and religious issues. That's been on the news and been in the TV here recently. And uh, all of these fights are taking place and Jeff Gordon's retiring. <laughs> that's, that's supposed to be sarcastic there, folks. <laughs> uh, I'm not a Jeff Gordon fan. But uh, American Idol's getting canceled, too. Can y'all believe that? You know, all the things uh, that's been happening. Uh, there's a lot to be disturbed about. But what I want us to talk to you about today or here today is for the born-again Christian, for the child of God, there's much reason to rejoice. And that's what I want us to think about, the blessings of God. And I want us to talk about some things to get excited about. When we begin to think about that, we're told in Philippians 3.20 that our citizenship, as Christians, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what we face in this world, you need to hear this this morning, what, no matter what we face in this world, it's all temporary. It, it's just for a small season because we're strangers, we're aliens, we're... Pilgrims just passing through this life. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what the Bible teaches us. I mentioned a week or two ago, no matter where we are, unless you're a, a young person, I'd say from probably 25 or 30 under, it may not seem this way to you, but, but when you begin to get a little bit older, you look back, and uh, I graduated in 1982. And for some of y'all, that, that's going to be like, golly, you've been graduated that long? And for other of you, you're going to go, <laughs> you just been graduated that long? What it is, when we begin to look back on our life, we realize, boy, that was just yesterday. It was just yesterday. We had three little babies in our house. They're all grown. It was just yesterday that we were getting married. Now we've been married 30-something years, whatever it is. Where's my wife? I bet you don't know, do you? See? Okay, she did know. <laughs> I may not have remembered at that exact time, but, you know, it seems like just yesterday. So things are passing quickly. And Scripture says this, while we're here, it's just a fading breath. It's, it's quick. Time is quick. So when we think about this, all these things that we face today, they're temporary. And Paul, Peter begins here, and he, he begins to teach us or talk about some things that we need to rejoice about. So when we look here in 1 Peter, we're going to start 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse 6. I mean verse 1. 1 Peter 1 verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> to the elect sojourners in the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now aren't you glad you don't live in any of those places today? Because how would you like to learn to spell that when you're in first grade? <laughs> Where are you from? Well, I'm from Bethnia down there. And, uh, okay. But listen to this. So Peter says, I'm apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing those who have been elected, the sojourners, in these providences, in these different areas, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit. Now, remember what he's saying here. I don't want to lose this in translation. Peter is saying to those elected by, and then he fills that in. So we can read through that and lose something in all of those names. So 
Peter says, the apostle of Jesus Christ to the elect sojourners, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. In these areas, they've been elected according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit to obedience of the sprinkling, the sprinkling of Jesus, blood of Jesus Christ. Now, that's who he's writing to. Those who have been elected, those who have been saved, who have been sanctified by the Spirit of God because of their obedience of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's who he's writing to. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has regenerated us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and unfading, reserved in heaven for you by the power of God, having been kept through faith to salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, in which you greatly rejoice, yet a little while, if need be, grieving in manifold temptations. Now, boy, when we read that, you may read that and say, man, that's a bunch of words, and now you've got to really think and got to really break that down. That's what we're going to do this morning. In this, this verse that we just read, in, in verse 6, Peter says, in which you greatly rejoice. So what he's just talked about, what he just listed there, Paul said, Peter says, hey, these are some things we need to greatly rejoice in. Who's he talking to? Christians. He's talking to those who were selected by God, who's been called by God, who's been set apart by God through the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's who he's talking to. He says, these things we need to greatly rejoice in. Anyone that knows me very well, you know that the truth of the matter is, I don't get real excited about anything. Was that directed at me, whoever cleared their throat? <laughs> no, I, don't, I really don't get that excited about anything. If you get me a gift for Christmas, uh, I might really be grateful for it. I might really like it, but I just don't get that excited about that. Who, who else is like that? Pretty much everybody here, I think. Y'all didn't raise your hands. But I look at you on Sunday mornings, and I know the most, most of y'all don't get really excited about stuff. Now, <laughs> I think Doug went like this, kind of, when he, <laughs> he didn't want anybody to think he was raising his hands, because he'd, uh, uh, anyway. Uh, even, I like the Cowboys, and I like the Bulldogs, but even when I go to a, 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 a game, a football game, I don't get excited. I mean, I... I clap, I get excited every now and then, usually, <laughs> no, it's not coming, but if I'm watching, a, uh, and it's usually Bulldogs, I don't get that excited at the Cowboys that I say much, some words might come out of my mouth. Now, I'm not cussing, no, <laughs> uh, and I just hope my microphone's turned off when that happens, because <laughs> uh, I may holler at anybody, the official. And uh, I figure it's fair game if they can hear you from the press box without going through the mic. Is that right? <laughs> uh, but that's about as excited as I ever get. And I don't do that very often. It, uh, there's guys that, that I go watch football with, and they'll stand up and high-five and pump their fist, and that's nothing wrong with any of that. I just don't do that. I just don't get that excited about things. If I do, I guess I keep it inside. But sometimes, even me, like I say, the most maybe a reserved person, 
will get so excited about something, they just can't hide it. I mean, they just get so excited. Okay, booyah. You know, maybe that's one of the things. You go, I don't know that story, you'll just have to hear it. But, but, you know, you're watching something and you're going along and you're following, and all of a sudden you're like, booyah, looky there. I, well, that's exciting. That's something happened. Even the most reserved person sometimes, they just have to turn that loose. And, folks, when we're born again Christians, so often I'm not directing this at you because I'm one of you. I don't get overly excited about things, but sometimes as Christians, we just look like we're sad about stuff. We just get this look on our face, and we're singing, Bless the Lord, O my soul, 10,000 reasons we should worship. We just miss it. We just don't get excited about it. So Peter's saying, Hey, I want to tell you some things as Christians we need to get excited about. We need to think about these things, and when we look at Scripture and see what God has done for us, that ought to make us excited. Maybe not to the point that we're going to jump up this morning and, and clap our hands. If you do, that's fine. You're going to scare some people, but that's fine. You may stop us for just a second, but if you get that excited, that's great. If you get excited enough to say amen, that's a big step for a lot of you right there. So we're going to look at six. We're going to look at a couple of things. I don't know how far we'll get, but we're going to go until we run out of time. In these six verses, <coughs> well, we're going to go till I run out of voice. Maybe uh, we see some things that we, as a Christian, are to get excited about. Here they are: four things we can get excited about: our privilege. We can get excited about our hope. We can get excited about our inheritance, and we can get excited about our security. Now, that's those four things or what Peter talked about, that he said, therefore, in these things greatly rejoice. So those four things that, that Peter, that I'm, I'm going to call Peter and Paul and Paul and Peter, but we're talking about Peter. Those things right there are some things we can get excited about. So the first I want us to look at this morning is this. We can get excited about our privilege. Have you ever, anybody here, I'm not going to ask you to, to stand up and tell us about it, but have you ever had a special privilege? I'm talking about something that because of somebody you was with, you got to do something nobody else got to do. Now, on a small scale, Steve, Friday, we had some power problems out where Steve works, and I happened to be out there that morning, and they were big problems for several days, but they have a, a uh, compressor out there that's as big as... This whole stage, I guess. And there's a motor on there that's literally from, from me to that piano uh, and as wide as that piano. It's a big old motor. And we got the power on, and uh, Steve said, you want to crank that engine? <laughs> you know, like Tim, the tool man, like, <laughs> your power, you know. And, and I said, uh, yeah. So uh, he and Chris... Uh, Chris is Bailey's dad. They work out there together, and they, uh, they took me over into this room and then behind this engine, and it's got a fan on it that's uh, 12, 15 foot tall and 12 foot wide. I don't know how big. It's a big old thing. And uh, Steve said, okay, here's what you do, and he told me everything. He said, now, when you push that button and it starts to spin, get off of it. If you don't, it's going to backfire. I think that's what they were wanting because they were both standing over there looking. They thought, we're fixing to scare him to death. 
But uh, anyway, we cranked it. It's uneventful, and it was a big motor, and got it cranked. But but you know what? That was a privilege. That was a special privilege. Now you might say, well, I wouldn't care nothing about that. The thing I want you to think about is the reason I was able to do that was because I was with somebody that was able to go behind the scenes and do some things. That's a privilege. A few years ago, we went to, to North Texas, uh, Texas Motor Speedway over in wherever that's at over there. And uh, we had a meeting over there. And while we were in this meeting, this guy came in and said, Hey, would you all like to go down and tour the behind the scenes at the facility? So he took a group of us, and we were able to go through, and he was able to unlock doors and take us and say, hey, these are, this is where the cars are set up, and hey, these are where the drivers go. And he went, we went and toured this Texas Motor Speedway, and we were able to do some things, and it was a, a privilege that we got to experience, not because of who we were, but we were able to go with a guy that had the keys to get us into places that otherwise... We'd have never got to experience. So when we talk about privilege, that's what Peter's saying. He's saying we need to get excited about the privilege that we had. Now, when I was at Texas Motor Speedway and we were in that meeting and he said, hey, we're going to go down and, and that we're going to be able to go into some places that people don't get to go into routinely. And, and a couple of the guys said, oh, are there any cars here? And he said, yeah, there's a couple of cars down there. And, and there was some excitement about, hey, we're, we're fixing to get to do something that's going to be really neat. I'm not even a NASCAR fan. I'm not a NASCAR enemy but I don't, I don't watch NASCAR on TV. I, I'll look at it on Sunday sometimes if I can't take a nap, and that'll put me right to sleep, you know. So I, I'll, I'll look at it, and, and I know a few of the drivers, but Mark Martin retired, and since he retired, I really don't care much about watching it anymore. And, and I still got excited about a special privilege. I thought, man, this is going to be neat. It's going to be neat to be able to do some things so... When we think about what Peter's saying, there's no greater privilege than being a child of God. There's no greater privilege, and in fact, we couldn't get some of the things and we couldn't go some of the places that God offers apart from Jesus Christ because He's the guy with the keys. You know what Jesus said? I hold the keys to heaven and hell. He, he's the man that can get us places that only He can take us. And we need to get excited about the privilege that we have. When we begin to think about what Christ has done, He came, he came to us, and, and it's indescribable to think about what Jesus Christ done. He, he gave His life. He took the sins of the world upon Himself, and He defeated sin, He defeated Satan, that He could give us eternal life. Now, through that, we have some privileges, and the first privilege we have is we were chosen. If you're like me, you haven't won much. Most people say, I never win anything. If we have a drawing, if you buy a raffle ticket, if you do anything, <coughs> I'm never chosen. But I want you to understand, one of the privileges we have as a child of God is that we have been chosen by God. Verse 1, Peter says, An apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout these different areas... You've been elected to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Peter here, he's addressing strangers who are scattered out. That word, and we use that word, really mean sojourners. He's talking to Jews that because of their captivity, they've been scattered out all over these different regions. 
So they're not in their homeland. They're scattered out. They're sojourners. They're, they're, they're scattered throughout these different areas. And as a result of them being scattered out, they're under persecution. <coughs> but that this persecution that he's talking about, he's saying, remember, here's something to be excited about. Even though you're sojourner, even though you're in a foreign land, even though you're not home, you're just passing through. And remember, God looked at you and he chose you. This morning, if we had a a fish a fish bowl up here with with a thousand dollars or one dollar and we said we're going to have a drawing for what's in that fish bowl even if it was a dollar and everybody put your name in there and we have somebody come up and they pull a, a tag out and they give it to the person here and he begins to look at it. and there's a little excitement anticipation oh i hope i get chose it don't matter the prize I just hope I'm the one chose. I hope I'm the winner. And folks, when we look at what Christ has done, He looked at us and He said, I, I'm choosing you. Now you may say, well, that's not very popular. What if He doesn't choose me? Here's the good news. The Bible says this, God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but all come to a saving knowledge. So you know what that means? He's chosen all of us. He said, I chose you, and I chose you, and I chose you, and you, and you, and you, and you. I'm choosing you for this. Now, if I choose the winner, and we have $1,000 in a fishbowl, and I say, you're the winner, what do you have to do? You have to come possess it, don't you? You can't just leave it here. You can't leave and go, hot dog, I won today. What did you win? I won $1,000. Where's that? Let's go eat. Oh, I left it there. I didn't take it. You know, it, I was chose, and I was elected, but I didn't take hold of it. Well, that's what it is with Christ. He chose you, but it's your responsibility to say, okay, because I've been chosen, I'm going to take hold of that gift. The Bible says we take hold of that gift when we come and say, God, I know I've sinned. I know I failed you, but I want your forgiveness, and I know that you've chosen me and I know you've elected me according to the foreknowledge of God the Father I know you saw me and you elected me and God I just want you to take me now I want to I want to give myself to you and and I want to take hold of that gift that you've given me folks in that because we have been chosen we're privileged we ought to get excited about that Ephesians 1 4 says according to as he hath chose us in Christ, before the foundation of the world. And Christ chose us to be holy without blame before him in love. You might say, well, I can't be holy and I can't stand before him blameless. You know what? I can't either. You know what? Nobody here can stand before a holy God and say, I'm holy and I'm without fault and I'm without blame. You know why we can't do that? Because we're sinners and we have a sinful nature. But when Christ chose us and when we pray to receive Christ and when, when we say, I'm going to give my heart to you and I want you to come in my heart and, and I want you to cleanse me with your blood, all of a sudden it's not about what we've done. It's about what Christ has done. And because what Christ has done, 
because He saves us, because He calls us, because He chooses us, we can stand before God and say, God, I am holy. And God, I'm blameless. And it's not about me. It's because Jesus Christ has shed His blood that I may be holy and that I may be blameless. Folks, that's something we can get excited about. But not only have we been chosen, we've also been cleansed. According to verse 2, it says, Through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood and Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, there was blood sacrifices. There was sprinkling of the blood in the Old Testament. What that represented, that represented in the old law, according to the law, that was a picture of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. So when the, the old law, the Old Testament said you have animal sacrifices, you build an altar, you place the sacrifice upon an altar, the priest takes the blood, he... He sprinkled some of the blood here. He sprinkled some of the blood there. That was a picture of the atoning work of the blood of Jesus. Because we get in the New Testament, what does it say? No longer is God satisfied with the sacrifice of animals. But He's satisfied with the sacrifice of those He's chosen. So that picture there of, of the cleansing of the blood. We've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. 1 Peter 1.18 says, Knowing that you were not bought, that you were not redeemed that you were not purchased with corruptible things like silver or gold, but from your aimless conduct revealed by tradition from your fathers, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb of God without blemish and without spot. You know what? We have been cleansed. We have been made clean. We've been made pure. We've been made holy in the sight of God through the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. That's something we can get excited about. Hey, no matter what I've done, I, no matter what my sinless life has been, we're, we're not going to be any worse than anything we can imagine. Nobody has gone too far. Nobody's too wretched. Nobody's too lost. Nobody's too sinful that the blood of Jesus can't cleanse them. Isn't that exciting? Just to know, hey... I can think about my past and I can remember these things and my failures. I can remember all these times that I failed God, all these times that I sinned, and, and God wouldn't want me. Look at me. God wouldn't want me. Look at my past. But things we can get excited about is, hey, Jesus said, I have come for all. I have chosen you and I've cleansed you. I made you clean and pure and white as snow because the blood of Jesus washes away our sins. Folks, when we think about the world we're in, we think about the condition of this world, we can have some things to be excited about, and one of them is that we've been chosen by God, we've been cleansed by the blood of Christ, and the last thing is this, we have been changed. And it says in verse 2, the last part, through the sanctification of the Spirit <coughs> unto obedience. Now, to sanctify means to consecrate, and to consecrate means to set apart. Okay, so when you think about that, the Holy Spirit makes us holy by saving us and setting us apart, setting us apart from sin and from unbelief. So we're sanctified or we're consecrated or we're set apart. We sing a song that sometimes it says, Consecrate me now to the service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Consecrate means simply set me apart. If you sang that song and you would say, Instead of saying, consecrate me now, you'd say, set me apart, Lord, for your service through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what that song means. So, so we've been changed 
We've been set apart. We've been sanctified in Christ. Now, sanctification, y'all listen. I don't want you to get all bogged down in this, but I want you to listen to what I'm going to say here. Sanctification begins with justification, okay? Sanctification, to be set apart. It begins with being justified. Justified is a judicial term, which means by the act of God, He's pardoned all our sins. In other words, when we're justified, God has pardoned us, God has forgiven, God has wiped clean our account of all our sins. That means we're justified. And I always use this, just as if I'd never sinned, we're justified. To be sanctified, the first step is justification. Once we're justified, then we're sanctified. Now, now sanctification is also a process of purification that comes throughout our life. Remember what sanctification is? It's being set apart. So through sanctification, we're not just set apart for, for salvation. You're not sanctified. You're not, you're not set apart just to be saved. You're set apart, you're sanctified, and you're changed, and you're reborn. That's something we can be excited about. We're reborn, we're transformed. We talked last week in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When we're justified, that leads to sanctification, leads to being set apart. Then Christ says we are being transformed. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, listen to what it says. It says, Therefore, if any man in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. That's what Christ has done. When we think about some things that we can be excited about as a Christian, to think about we've been chosen by God, we, we've been cleansed by God, and we've been changed by God. He's given us a a new spirit about us. He's given us a new nature in which God has said, I'm going to give you my, my, my son. I'm going to give you a new nature. I'm going to let you be born again into the family of God. Now, you know what? There's still an old nature living within us. But God has given us a new nature. And, and Paul did say, those two natures fight each other all the time. You know, when, when somebody messes up, you won't gun it and throw a big fit. Well, that's that old man, that old nature, fighting that new nature. And it's just a battle there. But Christ says we're being changed. Old things have been passed away, and behold, new things are coming. I didn't get this scripture down, but the Bible says this, we're being changed every day. As Christians, when we're walking in the way of Christ, he's changing us every day to look more like his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that something to get excited about? John Newton, I don't know if any of y'all recognize that name. This song was played this morning during prayer time, Amazing Grace. This is what he says. Now listen to what he said, and this is what we're going to close with this morning. He says, I'm not at all what I should be or even what I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Isn't that a great statement? John Newton says, man, I'm, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not even what I want to be. But praise God, I'm not what I used to be. I know that I have a long way to go. 
But I know that I've been changed. I know that Jesus has brought me from death unto life. I know that He chose me. I know that He called me. I know that He cleansed me. And I know that He changed me. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's something I can get excited about. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. I want you just to give some thought about, you know, like I say, we we got a, the world around us and the naysayers and the, the negative comments and all of those things that we seem to thrive on. And as Christians, we're just here for a short time, even if you're lost. You're just here for a short time. And, 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 the, and Scripture tells us over and over again that, that our life on earth is just a glimpse. It's just a, a flower that grows and shoots up and feather, withers and fades away. But you know what, Christians? We have some things to rejoice in. We, we can just rejoice this morning in the, uh, the, thing, uh, the fact that we have some special privileges because we're with the man that's got the keys. He chose us to go with him. And then he cleansed us that we could be pure and holy as he is pure and holy. Then he changed us, he transformed us into his image, into his likeness. And that transformation takes place every day. This morning, I asked you the last couple of weeks, are you prepared if the Lord was to come? Are you prepared? As I've already said, that first step, that first step is justification. Now, how do we get that justification? It's simply through saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And it's nothing I've done, and I can't clean myself up, and I can't make everything right. I just come to you just, just like I am, just a sinner. All my baggage, all my ugly stuff, I just bring it to you. And the Lord says, well, good, because I chose you. I chose you just like you are. And if we ask God to come into our heart and forgive us of our sins, then he says, not only have I chosen you, I'm going to cleanse you. Now, this sticks us a little bit. But after he chooses us and cleanses us, then he says, then I'm going to begin to transform you. Satan says this, oh, there it is. If, if you start being transformed, you're going to have a miserable life. No more fun. No more happy days. Just, you're just going to be an old sad Christian. But Christ said, I came not that you'd be sad or condemned, but that you would have a life, that you would have joy in your salvation, and that you'd live a life more abundantly something to be thankful for, the blessings of the Father. Lord, I pray this morning that as we just consider your word, Father, as we consider where we need to be in you, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would move among your people. Lord, I pray today that today would be a time of salvation. And Lord, I pray however you would direct us, however you might lead us today, Father, we would respond to your word. And I pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen.